Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is the man that's spicier than the jalapeno, <laughs> Mr. Shaheen Alvandi! And I'm drinking Mountain Dew today. Yeah, you are. Get excited. Super excited. It's Get so, caffeinated. I was saying that it should be called the original green energy. The original green energy. Yeah. Yeah. Mike really wants to hang out with me very close. Is it? Yeah. Wait, you're going to, you should fix that. Give it that little. There, there we go. you go. There you go. I got it. That, there we go. Did that noise come through to you all to Probably. get to hear it? I'm yeah. not going to edit it out. You shouldn't. No. Let's just leave it, it in. real here at podcast. At podcast. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I physically, I don't know how to. Yeah. I, I, and I can't. <laughs> You know, uh, actually, if you add the two plus the two and take a one and then take the. So you may have noticed last episode came out a little late. You know, shit apps. Technically, technically, as of right now, it hasn't gone out yet. Oh, that's true. <laughs> when this comes out, people will be like, whoa, this happened so much faster. I'm kind of hoping Listen, that- we have a disclaimer that we put out often that says weekly ish. Weekly. It comes out on weeks. It'll be it'll be coming out. Yeah. On a week, it might be this week, it might be next yeah. week, it might be three weeks it's from now. Week. You know, every but, um, this one's not my fault. Well, I mean, I guess technically it's always my fault, but <laughs> I literally, Shaheen, like this is just. I think I heard you scream, fuck, from my house. Yeah, across town. Literally finished mixing, editing the show. I think it was like, it's like an hour and 45 recorded. I think I got it down to like a, a buck 20. Nice. Man, not bad. Some fat yeah, off I some fat off that fucker. Um, and I'm just about to slide in that intro music and call it done. Well, Whole thing crashes. What song did you choose? Uh, what song did I choose? I don't even remember. Maybe it was the song that crashed it. No, it totally was. It was me putting the song in. <laughs> and like, so we use Audacity, which is which is an open source, free yeah, editing easy. platform. It's very popular. Right. Uh, very easy to use. Very powerful, too. Uh, it's great. It's, it's been serving us well. But like this is like the third time where it's like done this crash and then it goes into a recovery mode and then the recovery mode crashes and then that just it just erases everything. Well, it doesn't actually erase it. It just erases all the links to the source files that Audacity creates. Uh. So when you open it back up, it's like, here's your hour and 20 minute show. We just it's just all blank. Like we know that the show is an hour and 20 minutes Thanks. and we know that there's like three or four tracks, whatever it was. There's just no information for those tracks. And you can't reassociate the files. And you just sit there and it's like, this feels like the opposite of a recovery. Because I, I literally saved it right they before. They recovered the space for you. Yeah, I saved it right before the crash. And like that, in like normal world like that, we should be fine. Yeah. We should be fine. Right. But it's not. So I have to start all over again. And now we're using Adobe Audition for a myriad of reasons. And I have to like basically learn that software and you know, slow going. Takes a little longer now. So, uh, hopefully this podcast is, uh, hopefully it sounds pretty good. Hopefully it comes out kind of on time. I don't know. Bear with us. What are we going to talk about today, Jensen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I jotted down some notes. Uh, next time we record, I will come back from the Hayabusa launch. Anything you want to know about that thing? Yeah. Can T-Man, T-Man come with you? I told you. she can. She's more than welcome to come. I just don't think Suzuki's going to pay for her airfare. It would be in their best interest to do so because, first of all, she is a fanatic. Second of all, Hashtag she's a better influencer. writer than both you and I combined. <laughs> I was thinking about this. My my livelihood depends on me doing one of the things I'm worst at. Which is? Writing. I'm not a good writer. I, I am dyslexic. And would probably write not, for free for you on that particular. Yeah. No, I, I did not do well in any writing course ever throughout my way to, two decades of, of education. Way to go at that face first, though. Yeah, you know, it worked out fine. Read some of the earlier stuff from A&R. Ooh, lordy. Luckily, you know how to take a good photograph. I do okay. I can swing a lens okay. It's all about the photos. A&R is almost like Playboy to me. I just go there for the photos. Today was just faptastic. <laughs> no. I literally said, like, this story is just I a cover for so you being able to. many thoughts about this bike. MV Augusta Rush 1000. Oof. There's a lot going on with that thing. A lot of blood rushing to my you-know-where. Garage? Mm-hmm. <laughs> garage <laughs> the garage it's a good looking machine it's a very good i can't machine. hate yeah t-man really wants to go to the hayabusa thing with you mm-hmm. and she even uh volunteered to write for you on mm-hmm. that one okay well let's we'll, we'll, we'll talk it out big fan i'm gonna see her like tomorrow night or whatever it was she'll crack up 
Uh, what do I want to talk about? You know what I want to talk about? Tell me. Oregon passes lane sharing law through its legislature. It's going to the governor's desk as we speak. As we speak. Going well, to the governor. And should be signed. I don't think there's any worry about it no. getting vetoed. It's a little bit, you know, it's a start. It's a start. That's all I have to say. It's a start. At least we can now lane split on the freeways when it's gridlock. Which for rush hour time is perfect. I'll take it. You can get through rush hour traffic on yep. on I-5. That'll now give me a reason to get on my motorcycle. I mean, like I need a reason, but like think about how that's going to help with traffic with people that want to buy motorcycles or ride motorcycles. There's now a reason to, especially if you live in the Portland area, if you know this area, a lot of people live just north of the mm-hmm. you know Oregon border in Commute the city of Vancouver. The, uh, the river. Yeah. yeah. And so that's you getting on I-5 and on paper, it's not that long, but it could take... 30, 40 minutes sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you can lane split, that'll cut it down by quite a bit for you. Probably cut it in half. I'm in. Yeah. It should be good. Uh, really excited. I did not think this day would come. I, I did not think that Oregon. I feel like we should celebrate. That's why I'm drinking Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Oregon would be like the last state to pass something like this because yeah. we're so backwards when it comes to motor vehicles. I just saw um, uh, on 82nd. They're going to actually lower the speed limit from 35 to 30 because too many pedestrians got hit by cars. And for anyone that's driven on 82nd, they would know that the pedestrians getting hit by cars are fucking junkies that are wandering into the street. 80 seconds like Armageddon. Uh It is just crazy tunes out there. It's like this this mixture of really big potholes, amazing Asian food, used car lots, and junkies. So many used car lots. So many used car lots. And it is just, it is like junkie central. Yeah. It's where it's like that tipping point where like Portland just goes off the map. Like, you know, like the olden day maps and like they would get to like kind of like where America <laughs> is and they would just be like, oh, we don't know what's out here. here dragons. That's, dragons that's, are that's out 80 here. 82nd for us. If you go past 82nd, what's over there? Dragons. I, I don't know. Fucking yeah. dragons. You're going to get dragons. eaten by dragons. Sea turtles, maybe. Yeah. Unicorns, hopefully. Yeah. It just falls off. Shrek's over there. And then like it gets like a little bit better when you get to like 90th. Like it, it's like <laughs> to put it in mathematical terms, 82nd is the asymptote. Oh. It's just the, it's just the void into nothingness. <laughs> but if you dare go through it, one see? never knows. See, I was good at math. Did great in math in in high school English. You got totally to a writer or a, or a mathematician. Almost illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm very very stoked for Oregon. Way to go, Oregon. Passed, Nicely done. Passed pretty strongly too. Nicely done. Uh, I've been trying to work with the Lane Share Oregon folks to do a story on ANR about how they got this bill passed so okay. that can be a template for other states to follow um hopefully that's something we can get together they just they're so busy so hopefully maybe that's a little poke right there i just did i did a little I, pokey poke i'm getting it yeah but um yeah there's a local lawyer who's a motorcyclist who's been sort of spearheading this thing a lot he's been he's been working really hard for it it's great so i'm excited i'm Air super high. excited they've done this bravo good job podcast high fives all around podcast high fives all around yeah um, you know what? I will give a podcast high five to Yamaha YZFR7. The wrong name, the wrong name. Yeah. You, you have you have betrayed our trust. But that bike does not suck. That is a a fucking handsome little bike. <laughs> well, it is. I, I don't disagree with you. But it's that same like, hey, we made the R1 look pretty cool, right? Because we made a MotoGP MotoGP bike look pretty cool, and then we made a 600 look pretty cool because we copied the R1, which was a copy of the MotoGP bike, and now we made the R7 look cool because that's a copy of the R6, which is a copy of the R1, which is a copy of the MotoGP bike. But also, if you look at it, to me, I immediately thought of the the KTM 390 because it's got that singular little headlight in the front there. Let's talk. Let's. Let's talk. Uh, uh, Yamaha design guy. Yeah. Like, what happened there? Did you forget the bike needed a headlight? And you're just like, ah. Well, they, it seems uh, like they did that with uh, the R1. They were like, this is a great design. Ah, fuck, it needs headlights. Fuck, it needs headlights. Just put a pair of bolts, just, bolts there. Just, just hide them kind of. Stick it right there. So this is the same thing. Where we're like, we're going to build this really, really cool looking. Ah, shit, it needs lights, doesn't it? Fuck, fuck. Tom, you forgot the lights. Tom, you forgot the lights again, Tom. You know what? This yeah. time, you're going to get Rochambeau'd. But next time, we're taking a digit. Yeah. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Yakuza reference? Yeah. <laughs> Just want to be clear. Just, yeah. Just want to be sure that we're being entirely uh, culturally unsensitive. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that the headlight is ridiculous. Um, and I don't know what happened there. But the rest of the bike, I mean, okay, styling's a little derivative, but it's a really good looking look. So why wouldn't you look recycle very it? very narrow. looks very... They say it's the most narrow uh, bike in the R lineup. 
which I believe it. I'll believe. Well, yeah, because it's missing two cylinders. <laughs> so you guys well, can make R three is a parallel twin. All right. Yeah, you know. Wait, there's a, they're saying so this is even narrower than the R three. Yeah. I actually forgot about the R three of the R lineup. I just thought R six, R one. End of story. It's easy to forget. Yeah. <laughs> the little R that could. The little R that could. Um it's the lowercase R three. But you know what, Shaheen? I think I, I think we all knew coming into this that this wasn't going to be like a direct head-to-head competitor with the Aprilia RS660. It wasn't going to have electronics. It wasn't going to have right. fancy suspension. It wasn't going to have fancy brakes and blah, blah, blah. They weren't They weren't going for the, the high-end part of this middleweight twin market. They're still going for the value side of it. But I feel like all the upgrades they made to the bike are exactly what needed to happen to make an MT-07 a better track bike. They, yes. they made... The frame more rigid. They uh, uh, brought in the rake quite a bit. I think I was talking to to a couple of my my uh, colleagues who aren't blacklisted by Yamaha. <laughs> They're saying the rake's maybe a little too steep, but they brought they brought the rake in. It's got upgraded brakes. It's got upside down forks. The forks are fully adjustable. The rear shock is a rebound and preload, no compression um, uh, adjustability. Um, you know, it's it's like all the things like uh, they 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 updated the the internals of the motor, so it's a little bit more reliable. Because that was another issue with the MT07 on the track is it would tend to that uh, number one piston would tend to fry itself. Hmm. It would lean out. Um, so they've they've done some reworking there. They put a slipper clutch in it. I mean, all the little things that you would require to make this like a pretty bitchin track bike or sport bike, they did. And if you want to like go racing with it you're still gonna have to do a lot of motor work it's still a stock motor so it's yeah. making like just over 70 horsepower but that still would fuck up an sv650 pretty good price you know? wise it's basically in between the sv650 and the rs660 yeah more on the sv side it's nine yeah. it's just under nine grand it's 89.99 and i think uh an sv650 with an abs is like 78 okay. i believe off the top of my head about 1200 less or like more I, rather i feel like i wrote that down let's let's see if i Ooh, no, I was I was worse. What did I say? 78? 78. 77. Oh, all right. 1300 bucks. So that's not bad when you consider an RS660 is 11.4. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11.5 if you want the acid gold color. Which I do. Really? I, see, I, I feel like the acid gold should be cheaper. <laughs> really? Yeah. I love that color. It it definitely gets you noticed. And you know, I have a thing for motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... I just, as soon as I said it, I heard the words come out of my mouth, and I was like, man, that makes sense. That story checks out. That's the right bike for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like Yamaha Yamaha read the landscape on this ride. They read they read the pitch, and I think they, they fucking nailed it. Um, so kudos to them on that. Because I was super poopy about it being just, just, just a fairing. I was there with you. It's not that I was poopy about it. I was concerned that they were just going to put a fairing on there and not really change much else, mm-hmm. which they could have. That would have been the easy way out, but they they did a couple of really cool things. I, I love the fact that you can get a quick shift, up and down quick shifter for it as an option. Probably yeah. won't cost that much. Yeah. I mean, probably. this this will be a viable track day weapon for someone that doesn't want to spend a ton of money and have a bike that's you know, fresh out of the box, got a warranty on there and ready to go play. Mm-hmm. The big thing for me that they that they made the frame, uh, the aluminum frame plates, it's still got that steel tube thing. So, I mean, I obviously haven't written it, but uh, I would expect it to be good, not great. But the right. fact that they made the rear plates more rigid, um, same swing arm, but made the plates more rigid where it mounts and did upside down forks, that right there is like, 75% of what that bike needed to be like a really good bitching machine. Yeah. And for the average like club racer, like that's all they really needed to to then be within like the super sport rules to have a really bitching bike. Like this is going to be a bitching super sport class bike and it's a great platform to build more on top of. So yeah, I think they nailed it, especially with the price nine grand. Nicely done. That's nicely done. Yamaha's kind of done this lately where they, bring out this middle class thing and they price it properly and when the little t700 came out and we saw the price tag i was like slow clap good job guys way to make it worth the wait three-year wait they're not overthinking it right and i think 
I was trying to like think in my mind how Yamaha and Suzuki kind of have the same business plan. Like they're trying to be that value machine, mm-hmm. but they're going about it in very different ways. Like Yamaha is coming up. Yamaha is doing a really good job of seeing where the white spaces are in their product lineups and their offerings and what the market is wanting. Mm. Whereas Suzuki, it just feels like, uh, we've made a DRZ the same way for the last 30 years. We'll just do another decade and call it good. Here's a different color. Yeah, we'll just bring it out in purple and see what happens. Um, oh, a purple DRZ. I'm into that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then it'll just be very affordable. Like, yeah, it's 30-year-old tech, but it's that 30-year-old tech pricing. Where Yamaha has a list like, hey, like, it's not the fanciest. It's not the fastest. It's not too many bolts. Like, would I love for this R7 have cornering ABS? Do I think it should? Absolutely. But, you know, I think it without it isn't like the end of the world well especially for 89.99 i'm okay with that yeah i mean if you're gonna tell me like corner abs was gonna add like another thousand dollars to the price tag i'm like okay yeah i could see why you wouldn't want this to be ten thousand dollars okay um i think every street bike should have corner abs it's like just like i think every street bike should have traction control because i imagine at some point that's going to be the case yeah just just like how abs was when it first came out you know now it's it's literally like a hundred dollar add-on for yeah. for manufacturers. So um yeah, there's not like like I think they've done a really smart job. I think it's it's the same thing with like the T7, where it's like, hey, we're not gonna overthink the adventure market. What people really want is a fun, you know, 75-ish horsepower, lightweight, dirt capable adventure bike that can be loaded up with gear and won't explode on the freeway and won't and won't vibrate their hands to sleep. That's what a T7 it, they is. They will come. Yeah. Um, I mean the 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 dash snob in me is obviously looking at this LCD dash and being like, hmm, cool cast favorite cool, subject, cool cool Casio watch. But again, like nine thousand dollar motorcycle. If you want a nicer dash, it costs eleven thousand four hundred dollars. Yeah, go on now. Like I get, like I get it. <laughs> um, like that's my. I mean, that was always my issue with the Kawasaki, where it's like, so I'm going to pay you twenty grand, and it literally, yeah. literally, literally looks like a Casio watch from the nineteen nineties. Like really. <laughs> Have you seen what your competition's doing? Crikey. It only took them like five years to get on that train. But yeah, no, this thing's rad. I would love to see uh, one on the track and give it a ripper. Um, I think, I don't think it really changes anything for them in Moto America. I think most of those guys are kind of already doing what they're doing with the MT-07. And this won't change that the price of bread for them too much other than the chassis changes. I mean, what does it cost to buy an MT-07 and put this, you know, the race body on it? Wow. Well, I mean, just just body work. Yeah. I mean, it's like however cheap you can find to use MT-07 for, which nowadays is probably a little bit more difficult. But I mean, you're talking about a bike that started at like seven grand. So, mm. I mean, let's say you can find one used for five, which or six. Let's say six. <clears throat> that seems more reasonable. Thousand dollars worth of body work. Like you're on the track for like seven grand, but. Yeah. You have conventional forks. You have shitty brakes. You have, you know, motor that is probably going to blow up on you eventually. Um, you have all sorts of you have all sorts of woes. Whereas this feels a little bit more polished. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of these on our track days and probably like next year's Omra sessions. Yeah, yeah, we were actually already talking Omra like because we we had changed our rules to ban a certain Italian middleweight bike which would also ban this and now we're gonna have to like rethink our rules because i personally think this should be in the super sport class i think this is this is what that was built for this is this is an sv650 killer in my mind Mm -hmm. this is that's what this is this is an sv650 killer why would you buy an sv650 when this is on the market and i wonder now if if suzuki is going to kind of rethink the sv650 to compete directly with this I mean, l- yeah, logically you would think so, but <laughs> you just gave me this look like I like where your head is at. I but, like your optimism, but let's really be honest here. We waited like three decades for the new Hayabusa, <laughs> and look what that was. Uh, uh, apparently, good enough to make T Man happy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll reserve a lot of judgment until I write it, but I mean, like that's that's not really Suzuki's wheelhouse. No, like revamping machines, right. like. I could see them maybe taking an SV650 as it is and just putting a full fairing on it and calling it good. That that seems like something Suzuki would do. I wouldn't be surprised. Which I think they should do. Yeah. Call Why it not? The, I don't know, GSX650 or whatever the hell they would do. 
GSXR 650. I was gonna say like if we're if we're doing what the yeah. current trend is, it's it's new GSXR 600. I mean, they're just willy nilly calling this thing an R7. I got so excited when I first saw the the headline R7. I'm like, no way, no way. And I read it. Oh, no uh, way. <laughs> the beautiful thing is, so I got the American press release, which was like there was no information in whatsoever. Good job, guys. Um, and then I got the European one, which was like nine pages long. Wow. So you can tell who they're really going after. <laughs> well, you can tell who put in more work that day. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because like there's a section in the European press release where it's like respecting the heritage. Oh my of the r7 name by completely not respecting like, it but you're not <laughs> i think i think you guys are using words that don't mean what you think they mean I'm just like like i appreciate that you're at least going to give a nod and a hat tip and a wink right. to like where that name came from because the american press release did not do that at all but i wouldn't really say you're respecting the name it's like when dudes used to take pontiac fierros and putting ferrari badges <laughs> exactly <on them. laughs> exactly respecting the ferrari heritage by <laughs> imitating you know. it imitation is the highest form of flattery uh, touche <laughs> listen you were saying such nice things about yama i thought they were going to be like here jensen have one and then no and then you just shat all over it banned for life are you kidding me <laughs> which, I lo- which i think is hilarious just a hilarious thing uh i feel like i need to be a mediator between you and yamaha Wow, power sales. <laughs> yeah, there's just no words. I think I've edited out this conversation multiple times from this podcast. There's just no words. Because I don't need to like, I don't want to like rehash it. I'm not here to like grind an axe, but you just sit there and you're just like, okay. Power sales. Just sitting here watching from afar. It's like it's like the same thing that the MIC is doing right now. Well, this is not the same thing that the MIC is doing, but we'll just segue to it because I think it's interesting to talk about. I got a press release like, Motorcycle sales in the U.S. are up however many percentage points it was mm-hmm. over Q1 last quarter. And you're like, what? We, we talked about this, yeah. I think, like a show or two ago with Ducati and, and Harley. And you're like, yeah, but you remember how like those sales were down like 30% or whatever? Right. right. So You can't drop 50% and then come up 20% and be like, woo, look at us. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> and I haven't had a chance to dive into it and look at the total U.S. industry Q1 2021 versus Q1 2019. Right. I'm not even sure the MIC published that information. But if I had to guess, I wouldn't say sales are up. They might be close. Whatever it is, I think it's going to be close. Um, up plus or minus 5%. From a, from a dealership's point of view. No, yeah, you've got insight. You tell me what's going on. 2020 Q1 was just garbage nothing was happening 2020 in q1 everybody was at home worried about covid yeah, we thought the world was gonna end yeah the world was ending nobody was spending money it wasn't until q3 where th- when things start really moving because by q3 we were kind of like oh if we wear masks we can probably be safe and go to stores and buy things again and then suddenly people were actually after that it just became mayhem because everybody who wanted to do anything recreational just went out there and got everything you're you're in the interesting position so q1 this year was a blockbuster quarter for you guys right bonkers bonkers how does that i haven't had a day off yet yeah how does that compare to q1 2019 do you know better still probably better okay just look i mean because i'm i'm constantly doing p&ls and i'm looking at you know, the last three, four years to kind of gauge where I'm going to be, what kind of goals to set, what kind of mm-hmm. inventory to bring in, you know, just boring GM stuff. Um, <laughs> you say boring. I'm like, that's the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> that's my, that's my jam, man. Let's do it. Let's um, fucking strategize, so far, strategize will, the shit out of that. <laughs> you know, in Soviet Russia, Excel spread you. Um, how's it going? Huh. Um, I'm nodding my head. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one the, down? It's a spreadsheet that's spreading you. Get yeah, it? That's, spread- that's the joke. Right, the spreadsheet's spreading get you. Get it? Nah. Um, I would say that for my little store, so far, this Q1 has beat out Q- 2019 Q1. Okay. I believe and, that. And, and we're actually, I think, even beating 2018 Q1 right now. trying to remember if sales went up or down those years they were good if i mean again looking at the history of just our little store 18 was one of the healthier years okay 19 started kind of being meh but that Mm -hmm. was not that was more to do with just management in the store um and then 
20 was just, you know, chaos and mayhem and the world ending. Mm -hmm. And then basically Q3 um, 2020 is when things kind of started going upwards. Again, it's a mixture, but I'm looking at all the other dealerships around us and they kind of had a similar uh, experience. I mean, I remember hearing from one dealership that last April, which was still part of Q2, they just were going bonkers. Um, I, I think right about then people started hearing about money coming in from the government. Right, that was right when the stimulus checks were right. Those were in. starting to come in, so people were starting to look at like dirt bike sales just went crazy. Oh, yeah, if you were a dirt bike brand, still to this day, if you're trying yeah. to find something, it's just good luck. It's it's all a matter of putting deposits on stuff now because now what we're dealing with as a dealership is this void that was you know stop in production that happened in the Q1 Q2 of 2020. And so the ripple effect of it is now starting to be felt throughout every industry basically where there's just this crazy, you know, supply chain fiasco and I think finally even consumers are starting to understand it so there's less of a pushback from the consumer side when you tell them, "Hey, if you want the thing, put money on it and it's going to take maybe 8 to 10 weeks to get it to you." If you want to should have put a deposit on it. <laughs> I don't know, that's my I like it. That's my I'm yeah. going to make a video based on that one. <laughs> Um, you're welcome just don't make me sing it again i'm probably gonna so yes all to say this q1 is feeling way healthier than the last i would say two and a half three of them is that sustainable like like just for example i was dicking around today again i'm like i'm like so i'm like i've become a fuel nerd <laughs> um you have <laughs> you know i like when when you dive into a subject matter you just, you dive just right in. Full nerd Your on it. White lab coat is on. Yeah. Your pocket protectors in. Your glasses are pushed way up. Way up. The voice Your gets voice a little goes up a couple octaves, and you say with things like, "Well, actually, well, I'm flying, <laughs> fly, nice lady." No. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, anyways, fuel, fuel. I was on the VP website, mm -hmm. and it was really weird. Like, I was looking at the spec fuel from Moto America. Hmm. And I only, and it said like, right when I loaded it up, it's like, there's like a warning comes like warning. The amount of fuel you have selected is currently not in stock. Select a smaller amount. And it's at like one five gallon pail. What? So like the next small amount is no fuel. None at all. <laughs> and, and I was like, whoa, that means they're out of fuel. And I go and I check a couple of the fuels and it's multiple fuels that they are out of. Now they've still got pails of like the heavy hitters. So you can still get your MR12, your U4, your T4. But like a Moto America spec fuel, like if you're a, if you're a kind of a privateer Moto America racer and you wanted to like go test your bike this you're weekend, a little bit of trouble. you wouldn't be able to get fuel from VP. Like oh maybe boy. your local VP guy would have it, you know, in stock, but VP itself didn't seem to have it. And I haven't had a chance to contact VP and, and confirm any of that. So just take that for what it is. But it was interesting for me that their website was saying that was out of stock. Mm. And we've talked about this, I think, for the last four shows over and over and over again. Supply chain issues here, supply chain issues right. there. But this is the first time where I've seen something. This is the first time I've seen a fuel out of stock. We've seen oil filters going out of stock. I'm a little worried about oil, um, brake pads, tires. There's There's been some interesting talk about some tires. Uh, I've heard some vendors haven't been able to get tires for certain sizes. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of sitting there going like, is that something that balances out before like summer riding is full on or does summer riding completely break that supply chain back? And we just like spend the last month or two of summer and, and fall going into fall with just like none of our bikes have shit anymore because we've run out of it and it's all stuck in Asia or Africa or South America or wherever it's trying to get to because we don't have shipping containers, whatever the heck it is that's going on. Those are all, those are all legit questions. So I'm just, whew. I'm you and everybody else is hooing right now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's interesting because as a as a dealership, it's really easy to sound sort of salesperson-y to when you tell somebody, hey, if you want a thing, you gotta put money down on it because there's other people behind you that want that same thing. There's a lot of people wanting things right now. And that's I mean, that's the case in real estate right now. And if you're into any kind of recreational sports, I don't care if it's hiking or motorcycling or van van life bocce ball blowing up right now fucking bocce ball is the most popular <laughs> version of balls um the french call it boule yeah boule uh, <laughs> um it's it's just it's kind of chaotic because everybody bought stuff 
And then there was this, you know, everybody kind of forgets that there was this lull in production for a long time because a lot of factories shut the yeah, fuck down. For months. For, for months, months they shut down. And the ripple effect of that is just we're starting to feel it. And so, you know, it's it's just a matter of I'm sure there's people that are listening from dealerships that you know are are experiencing this at the same time. We're having to now set customer expectation with a very realistic like stern look in their face like hey man i know you think i'm just trying to be a salesperson and selling you a thing the truth of the matter is that most of the stuff you're looking at in this floor right now is sold already and so if you want one you got to put money on it if you want to wait cool go for it you don't have to have it i get it but if you're in some kind of a rush to pick up something you, you better do some homework and make some phone calls and make sure that thing is available for you and that that's the case with Fuel, oil filters, motorcycles, tires, chains, whatever the fuck. And that's just in our little industry. I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know when we'll catch up. Um, I keep being optimistic and hoping that maybe by then the summer it'll have caught up a little bit because then that ripple would have hopefully passed that that timeline. But I always wonder, you know, I'm not a su- supply chain uh expert by any stretch of the imagination but i understand that like you can't just say all right well it was gone for three months so then if you feel that ripple effect for for a three-month period it should come back to normal after that that's just not how it works people have lost jobs uh you know the the people that are making the things are having to wait for their supply chain to come through it's it's a it's a such a dynamic and extremely uh delicate balance and it's just like it's funny to watch it from our perspective and just say, okay, well, I'm just the end user who's right. trying to help other end users. And I can call my reps and beat them up over the phone all day long. But at the end of the day, they're just going, ah, I'm waiting for the next guy to tell me whether it's greenlit yet or not. It's um, supply chain's not one of my better business school subjects, but um, it's, it's like a turbo. Like there's a lag to it. Like you can, you can spin it up. You can, you can put your foot down on the gas pedal but that turbine still needs to spool up Mm -hmm. before it'll make the boost to give you a better power out of the out of the drivetrain right and so like we're putting our foot down as hard as we can right now well actually i take that back because in some markets you still can't like india there's no production nothing increase going on in india indians india's bananas right now yeah india is still dying it's it's they haven't (laughs) even hit their peak yet they're they're going up the the crazy ramp right right now uh, Southeast Asia depends on the country that we're talking about, but that could that could be in India at any minute, right? You know, um, uh, Africa. I haven't heard a ton of, about COVID in Africa, but there's a lot of production in Northern Africa. You know, I, I just again, like I just I just got my fingers crossed and I cringe because those those places could easily. So you don't, they're not going to be able to ramp up their production for things Mm -hmm. which means production in more developed countries that are dependent on those supplies getting to them aren't going to ramp up as quickly and it just dominoes all the way down the line that's that's basically the issue that we're having right now right so like there's only a certain amount of time like first we have to get through the crisis where it's like okay you had that factory in india okay like for them to catch up on orders they're probably gonna have to add like a second or third shift okay well that's not happening anytime soon no (laughs) You know, that's assuming that they weren't already operating on like a 24-hour shift cycle, which if you're doing like proper manufacturing management, like you kind of end up doing because you've got, yeah, these, that, that, you've got these giant machines and they're they losing money when they're not moving. So you <laughs> right. just, the people are the expendable part of the right. operation. It's like you teach someone how to hit a button just to keep the machine going. Um, but like in a lot of ways, like I feel like Shaheen, it's going to take a season like a full season cycle for us to catch back up because like, I let's, would agree. Let's, I don't, I don't know if there's a brake pad shortage, but let's say there is, it's going to take the up and down of the, you know, Northern hemisphere riding season for Brembo probably to catch back up on that production supply chain thing, because right. it's like, Oh, well we normally don't, you know, produce as many brake pads in the winter because nobody needs them. And now we finally can like, we'll start producing them, quicker than we're consuming them you know it's like i think i feel like the supply chain is going to be an issue well through this year and probably probably until this time next year which could be really interesting for for the motorcycle industry i think i think so too i think 
you know, there's probably a lot of conversations happening right now of the the what if part of it. I, I imagine there are people in the factory side that are just, you know, pushing as hard as they can just to try and keep up with what what bit of uh, you know, what they can deliver for now. Yeah, and, and some of that, you know, I mean, we were supposed to receive some bikes a couple of weeks ago that we haven't yet because the the shipping got stopped for I don't know what reason. Like in customs kind of deal? Like still across the globe. Is it maybe in the Suez Canal somewhere? <laughs> no. Uh, so, ha, 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 right? But that was, we we heard that. That was Ducati and Yamaha parts. Had, yeah. yeah. That, that, that did have Ducati and Yamaha parts on there. But um, so there's so many more moving parts to it that, that has to do with the, the chain side of the supply where, you know, they're just trying to connect the things together. And who knows what's happening politically between some of these uh, countries that are trying to make sure that they can you know hopefully not cross contaminate each other with you know the with covid or whatever the hell else is going on over there and it's funny because from our point of view we're just you know we got our little blinders on and we're just dealing with our local market and so we get to read things like this and what you brought up initially uh with you know them saying well the numbers are looking great for q1 yes but you asked a really important question how are we gonna sustain these yeah right and as a dealership we ask that question all the time from the perspective of how do you let's just take away the supply chain part of this right let's just say there's some kind of a crazy push where people are suddenly realizing that right now they want to go do a recreational stuff so even if you had they're getting vaccinated they're getting right. out they can be in groups they can see grandma and grandpa yep. so let's say we're in yeah. an alternate reality where all the supply chain was normal and you can get all the things you can get at some point the the let's call it the phase may end or at least calm down a little bit or flatline or, or, you know, equalize or whatever, where suddenly everyone's bought all the things they wanted. Well, how do you keep them engaged? How do you keep them coming back? Mm -hmm. How do you get, if Jensen went out and bought a gold wing and a dirt bike and a, and a forerunner and an ATV and a side-by-side -side because he wanted to have all the, all the best of everything, how are you going to get Jensen to come back a year from now to maybe buy some more stuff from you? How are you going to keep Jensen, uh, like, engage with with your group to to come ride with you more and to be more involved with omra and you know dirt biking and going jeep you know driving his foreigner in cool places so he can buy more cool stuff for a foreigner that's the thing that dealerships should be talking about how do we maintain that engagement level so that these you know this wave that happened doesn't just suddenly end we don't suddenly just run it dry i mean yeah it's a great question um, that's always been the, the catch, right? Where it's not just enough to offer the product. You have to offer the lifestyle. You have mm -hmm. to offer the value added. And Mountain Dew helps. Mountain Dew helps a lot. <laughs> One of the things that we're sort of finding ourselves doing as a dealership right now is because we're so busy is having to purposefully carve time for the activity engage engagement side of it, mm. because it's so easy. My days just become blurs. I don't know when Tuesday begins and when Saturday ends. It just kind of happens. And just to kind of put things into perspective for you, what's today? The 20th? So in about three weeks, it'll be my one-year anniversary of being back at Motocorsa. Oh, wow. Like, like snap a finger. Just like that. It happens so quickly. And I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. I'm doing a lot of neat things and we're very, very, you know, engaged and we're working really hard and we're talking to everybody and we're doing everything humanly possible but I have to constantly check myself every week, check my calendar, make sure I am hitting certain marks, make sure I am doing certain things, and I'm uh, hopefully following up with promises that I've made as far as you know, group activities and, and the, the draw of bringing you in to ride with us as a dealership. And it's amazing how quickly you can get away. So I can see where a dealership may let that stuff just kind of slip by because they're so busy right now just capitalizing on every single sale possible. Sure. I can totally um, see that. Yeah. So uh, kudos to all the dealers out there that are that are dealing with this thing. And I, I, I hope that you are taking the time to kind of recognize that, you know, this is, you know, something that's not necessarily going to last forever. And we need to be able to, I hate to use the word, but capitalize on it in the best way possible. And that how do we maintain, create and maintain long lasting relationships with these, with this new wave of people that came at us. One of the best things that ever happened to the recreational industry was this pandemic mm. because as soon as we kind of figured it out everybody ran out and started doing recreational stuff so it made everybody in and all the different uh industries just go holy shit like you want to 
a rooftop tent for your forerunner good luck because everybody's buying one well well you know make sure you somehow make it where other people can have it too mm-hmm. so that you're not running it dry and it doesn't become like a bitter bitter thing for the potentially new buyer out there so it's a it's a very fun neat dynamic uh deck of cards we've been handed this last year yeah i'll be curious to to see where we are i'll be curious to like like time capsule this episode yeah oh, crack it open in a year's time see where see where we are uh, i'm with you 100 yeah, yeah yeah i don't know how we do that i'm sure there's a technology way of doing that oh, man as long as uh audacity doesn't erase this whole fucking thing oh this one's this one's going out in audition oh, that's right it's going on, <laughs> on adobe adobe <laughs> you know what i like what do you like i like this rumor i'm about to drop on you come at me bro kawasaki ninja zx4r are we actually gonna get that here i don't know is it i don't know i know i mean listen the eternally optimistic person across the room from you this was not a bothan spy source rumor this is a this is a japan rumor which so high revving v uh, inline four so basically like the rumor is they're going to take the zx 25r which is a four cylinder 250 cc bike that is available in Japan, uh, I believe Australia by special order in Southeast Asia. It was designed to get around the displacement, uh, the costs that come from having a, what in those markets is a large displacement motorcycle like a ZX4. It was designed to have, or it's not a ZX4, a Ninja 400. Mm-hmm. In those markets, a Ninja 400 is just too big. It costs too much to ta- on tax, on insurance, mm-hmm. on cost of ownership. And so, like, a 250 is considerably cheaper. And so, like, how can we make a 250 perform like a 400? Their answer was an inline four motor that revs to the moon and makes 50 horsepower and has, like, a slipper clutch and a quick shifter and traction control. Like a proper sport bike. Proper sport bike. The chassis is not quite full proper sport bike, but it's pretty damn close. So, the rumor is, like, they just were like, yep, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. How can we make it 400 cc's? Is it going to be, like... 80 horses you know you do the 250 is like 40 no it's literally 50 50 even oh god i thought it was 40 you do the (sighs) math like let's just because the rumor was that it's going to be the same engine block and they're going to get more displacement by a mild overbore and a lot of stroke Mm -hmm. i did the math it's a lot of stroke you take a very you're going from an over very over square cylinder to a very almost perfectly square cylinder huh like you can't. I mean, you're not. You're just not going to put that much bore into it. Like how much? How much? How much thickness do you think are in those the, not those casings? Much. Right. Not that you much. know, not, not, small little motors. Um. So you're like, oh, I don't know about it. Like sharing a complete engine block design, but it could be all. It could be on the same design ethos a 70 plus horsepower 400 cc on line four would be i do think it could be 70 horsepower mouthwatering that'd be pretty rad that would be amazing that'd be pretty rad you'd have to rev the piss out of it get some power out of it but yeah i mean but it's the same thing you're doing with the 250 you gotta rev the piss out of that thing (laughs) the thing that's interesting for me shaheen is so if you were just to do currency conversion if you which may or may not be the best way of looking at that but if you were going to import a zx 25r into the u.s right you're probably got to pay indonesian pricing plus currency mm-hmm. so you're looking at like an eight thousand dollar motorcycle without even taking into account the shipping dang which is a little pricey yeah but it's the same horsepower rating as say like a new r7 no 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 no, no. this is this is the this is the oh, zx 25 250 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 250 yeah so you're like okay that kind of makes sense like eight or nine thousand dollar 250 a little too pricey yep it shouldn't cost that much more, though, to make the 400cc version. Right. And if I said, like, hey, buddy, sub $10,000, 70-plus horsepower, 400 pounds. I literally just described to you the R7. You did. But this one's a four-cylinder screamer from Kawasaki right. <laughs> that has electronics, a quick shifter, and power modes. What, what that would think? fuck some shit up. Uh, fuck yeah, it would be. But I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. Let's say... That they make the same amount of horsepower, the R, the R7 and the Ninja the, 400. The 4R, yeah. The 4R, sure. And what would make you get one versus the other? Because in my head, I feel like the R7 would have torque earlier. Yeah. So it better weigh a lot less on the Ninja side. 
because you're going to have to build that power up. But that means you're probably going to have better top end, potentially. Uh, are we? I mean, this is the question: Are we talking street or track? Track. Uh, I think track. I I probably lean towards the Cowie just really? because it, it's it's designed to spin up more. Presumably, I mean, this, we're all very deep into like rumor territory, so presumably. I think it'd be easier to make power on because because it is a smaller displacement four cylinder. Those those are tiny little pistons. Yeah. Just make them just make them fly. The R seven would one hundred percent be the better street bike because what you said the torque the torque's yeah. there it's usable around here. This thing's gonna have like it's gonna make like seventy horsepower on like twenty foot pounds of torque. <laughs> like come on, <laughs> like it's just like there's just nothing it's there. Like a Mazda RX seven, just no torque at all trying to see if i if i actually have a torque number for uh for the 250 they don't even tell you what it is not even worth telling you (laughs) (laughs) peak peak torque on the zx 25r is 17 pound feet 17 17 17 pound feet (laughs) i think koda kitty makes more torque than that Uh, she does she's way more (laughs) torqued out uh curb weight's 396 pounds though so that's nice. Let's let's just round up to four hundred. Sure, it's not bad. R seven's only like four twelve though. That's a pretty yeah. light bike too. If Kramer took one of those motors and did like a two hundred seventy six pound, that's what need to happen. <sighs> Joe, let's not Joe four cylinder two fifty Kramer. Let's go that fuck some shit up. Amazing. <laughs> let's go fuck some shit up. Stop this nonsense with the uh, eight ninety. <laughs> Little two hundred and fifty pound. You went the wrong way with it. Let's go. The, let's go the other way. <laughs> I like it. No, so, I, I I'm very excited for. Like, I hope this comes true. Twenty four thousand dollar two fifty, basically. We just described. So basically, a two stroke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, We're going full circle back to the RS two fifty. I would like to ride one of those. Those look like fun. Uh, I like. I just like this rumor. I don't. I don't know if it's going to come true i just i just want it to i just want it to so bad listen it's because we kept saying man how cool would be if the hayabusa had a supercharger nitro and turbo and like you know cool like hybrid electric drive on there and then they just gave us a the same thing same thing that was redesigned and looked a little bit nicer i guess i do like the way it looks i like the way it looks so like i that's why we need this we need some crazy shit and then yama was all like the r7's coming back but then it was an mt07 with an r7 body see this is what i like though about kawasaki kawasaki to me i feel like is the only japanese brand that is really willing to to risk something i think it's because they have the money because they're busy building like ships and helicopters and ship, ship, shipping, shipping, ship, ship shipping ships, ships. Ship, shipping ships yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean i feel like I feel like Honda's like, how can we make a dirt bike and a helicopter? Ooh. Like they're just like, they're like they, I think they just sit around in their boardroom all day and just do mashups. <laughs> they're like, okay, a turtle and a Goldwing, go. I still need Honda to make a 450L uh, rally edition. I don't know how that hasn't been made yet. I don't understand it. I don't understand that, it either. This, this market right now is so ripe for that bike. You literally take a CRF 450L, yep. put the... 250 rally the, front end on there. Well, now it's the 300, but yeah, the, oh, okay, the rally 300 like bodywork and game over and call it done. Done. And then maybe take some money off the price tag because that bike's really expensive, but that would be a great bike. I actually wonder how hard it is to get that. If you can buy the rally bodywork, I think people make kits for it. I think there's a bunch of people making they do, kits they're for like it. Three grand. They're expensive. I've seen a lot of Huskies with that kit on them. It's very handsome. But then you have a $15,000 Husky 701. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. Just buy a fucking KTM 890 uh, Adventure R. <laughs> yeah, that one. It's like, uh, did you buy a T7 for way less money? Mm-hmm. But it's lighter. Neat. It's going to vibrate you to death when you want to get on the highway to do one of your adventure rides. Maybe, though, Shaheen. I mean, going back to some some news that we've, we've reported on already. Okay. Now, there's talk of that Transalp. Oh. You know, I, I think if Honda does it right, the Transalp is a T7. I don't know if killer is the right word, but like a 650 competitor. Yeah. You know, go right for that like middleweight, twin, light, 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 dirt bikey, globe you know, ready. Yeah. Ready to go in the off road, ready to do the thing. 21 inch amazing. front wheel, do the thing. Bike. I, I hope that's what I hope it is. My spirit is ready for that bike. I don't know if my body is. 
I'm drinking Mountain Dew. Yeah, I was going to say. You're going to so, have to probably I'm go for so a walk worried. afterwards. I'm not sleeping tonight. I'm going to be up playing video games till like the wee hours in the morning. Because the dog beat us. Uh, it's okay because I'll be up editing the last show because it's going to take me forever. Forever. All right, sir. That's all the news I got. Let's go. Wait, Let's no. The show. Okay, Hold goodbye. on. Okay, okay. Good. I just want to look at this Rush 1000 one more time. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I'm not done staring <laughs> at it. I've been staring at this bike all day. No thanks to you. This has been my porn. You're going to need like 40 grand. It's just so busy, but I'm not worried. Like, it doesn't concern me that it's so busy. It is not a subtle machine. It is not, which is, again, why I probably like it. <laughs> like, this, this is the most ridiculous bike I've ever seen in my life, and I've never wanted one so bad. I thought the Super Veloce 800 was pretty, and then this thing came into my life, and I'm like, this right here, this is the peacock that shows peacocks how to peacock. It's it's Adrian Morton. He's a silly son of a bitch. It's super silly. And let me guess, it's 205 horsepower probably. 205. It's that uh, inline four motor out of the F4. They didn't even like really bother like changing the tune. They're yeah. just like, no, yeah. yeah, no. If you're dumb enough to buy this, enjoy. You, you want to like, you know, just rip your eyeballs off your yep. face? That's this is the bike for you. Do you want to see what it feels like when your tongue touches the back of your skull? You just pull the trigger really hard on this thing. This bike is, I, I, everything about this bike makes me super happy, except for the fact that I can't have one. Well, they probably already sold out. We could probably get one on loan, you know. I don't know. Probably not, actually. Why is it called the Rush? Do we know that? Because it's a rush to ride it. <laughs> God damn it. Look at it. Look at that thing. That's, that's, a, that's as if Mountain Dew was a motorcycle. If Mountain Dew was a motorcycle, that's what it would be. I thought it was more like a Kawasaki H2R. You know, it's green. It's green. And it's supercharged. It's supercharged. The original green energy. <laughs> That's right. The original green energy. I love this bike a lot. I, I actually, I thought I had things to say about it, and I don't. I'm just mostly staring at it slack-jawed. It's, uh, it's very, very, it's, this is what MV does. Ever since I remember falling in love with MV Agustas, they've always made motorcycles that makes me go, hmm, I want one of those. See, this is this is a great example where you and I differ it's very much so. Okay, go. Because you're all about the rush, whereas I'm more like Brutale. Brutale 1000, I'm Brutale 1000, you're Rush 1000. Mm -hmm. It's like the same, but so different. I mean, like they, they're very similar motorcycles. I mean, right. they're basically the same platform. I, I would imagine they, they share a lot of parts. Um, but I, I like it a little bit more of an understatement. That's fine. I'll be behind you making all the noise. That's why you have bright green glasses and I have boring black ones. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot the same, but very different. Mm -hmm. And that's what friends are for. We should get two of them. We should do like a his and hers. <gasps> I would be so happy if we had his and hers of these. Listen, Envy Augusta, all you got to do is send Brap Talk and Asphalt and Rubber <laughs> a pair of these. <laughs> And we will. <laughs> I don't want that much motorcycle value in my garage. No, I'm, take I'm one not to my garage. I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> That's okay. I'll put one in my garage. It'll sit comfortably between a 999, a V4 Multistrada, and a and an ancient Tuono. That's just all the attitude you'll ever need out of a motorcycle. Mm. Mm. It's just that rear wheel. I don't even understand it. And I want to touch it. Why? Why is it like this? I don't care. You know, to quote one of our friends, Sean Smith, I just want to do stupid things on it. Like it, it really makes me become just an adolescent every time I see it. And I like that about that. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh, I did want to bring something up. Huh. Um, there is a shortage of mechanics right now. Oh yeah, there is. A lot of dealerships are talking about this between the car and motorcycle side. And I bring this up specifically because I need a mechanic. And I've spoken to probably four or five people that I don't think are that good. Um, and that's the thing. Like there's, there's a interesting, the good mechanics are already sort of taken, right? I have a bunch, a lot of other dealerships have a bunch. And so short of, short of walking into another dealership and just, you know, just yanking one out of there, it's hard to kind of find one because there is this weird I've never seen it like this before where, you know, you put out, it used to be if I put out an ad for a mechanic at Motocorsa, we get like 50 applicants within a week. And now you're not getting so many of them. It seems almost like, well, everybody's uh, staying put just to see what's going on. They don't want to go to somewhere new yet. It's a little bit scary. 
And so, yeah, I need a mechanic. If y'all know anyone, hit me up. I wonder, I mean, there's, there's a lot of that. The government checks are good enough for people to stay home that they're like, man, I could go work that job and maybe make a little bit more, but I would have to work for it. Whereas I could just stay home and make like 80% of my paycheck and and be good to go. I think that is a, that is a fair amount of it is that I think because being a motorcycle mechanic, you fall within a certain pay range, right? And Mm -hmm. if you're making even like, let's say 20% less than that, but not having to lift a muscle doing it. Yeah. And maybe you do a little bit of a little under the table. Exactly. A little under the table, a handy, handy job Mm -hmm. somewhere for somebody else. Uh, Bob's garage Desmo services. Looking at man, which is not out of the realm of possibility. That's Mm -hmm. even if you're out welding something for someone or building a cabinet for someone, Mm -hmm. you're making a little extra money, Mm -hmm. a couple, you know, thousand, couple of thousand extra dollars a month, just, you know, not really going to a job that you're expected to be at from, you know, Monday to Friday. So I think this is one of those unique things where people are falling within that specific pay range. Mm. It's an interesting thing that I've just kind of noticed because I put out an ad about three weeks ago and it was a little bit of crickets initially. And I was like, all right. You are not the first person I have talked to that I've talked is to looking so many for now. skilled mechanics and mm-hmm. coming up short. Which are very interesting. And it's the case in the car side and the motorcycle side. There is just a an innate shortage of good mechanics that are willing to come work for you. I want to have to ponder that one a little bit more. I feel like it's a more complex thing than just I'm getting a pretty good check from the government. So I don't right. really want to work. Oh, it's gotta be there. It's got, it's, I mean, something like that doesn't just have a magic silver bullet. If it did would, would solve it by now, but I think it's dynamic and there's probably many different reasons behind it. I, I really think, <clears throat> I think one of the other uh, parts of the equation is that, probably some dealerships like myself are seeing that and and we're realizing that our techs are currently working really 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 hard mm. and so we're compensating them mm. properly for it and that's so, probably a huge thing sure right? all right all right well no no in our pro signups this week no in our pro signups this week what we're not even close to a weekly Man, podcast right now come on that's totally fair i totally understand i that. mean we're doing it on a week just, uh, we didn't say which week. We're getting pretty close, though. I think I think this editing thing, it is going to take me a, a hot minute to to learn that software. But it's coming along. Well, it's coming along. And uh, I don't want to make any promises that this, this particular show is going to come out on a Monday. But I'm going to try. Nice. I got a really busy weekend, though. So that, like, immediately in my head, I'm like, mm, It is mm. that time of year. I feel like we need to put an asterisk on our... On our uh, description where it says uh, between april and september she gets busy do you like your free podcast <laughs> okay cool that's all i want to hear i just want to hear you say that you like your free you podcast. Sound like such a dad right then did you like the thing that you got for free did it did it show up like kind of timely like did yeah you you're welcome get it? did i charge you anything for it no does it have a ton of advertising no Listen. do we make a lot of penis jokes yes but deal with it i mean and yet they keep coming back I think it's the penis jokes and the lack of advertising and your sweet, sultry voice that makes people listen to us. I do put a lot more bass into it. Do you really? Do you no, turn I up your bass? I don't. I, I do really. have to do that for the Paddock Pass podcast. We have but, to take a ton of bass out of Neil's voice <laughs> and we have to put it all into Adam's. Um, it's a really interesting dynamic those two have. Um, <laughs> but like closer to his mic, welcome to Yeah, World Superbike kicks off this weekend because we just, right. just did the podcast for that. Uh, if you're not listening to the Paddock Pass, we're we're crunching out some awesome episodes. You should be listening to it. It's great. That's a pretty great podcast. Not to not to like toot my own little horn here. Um, you know, I'm toot, only toot. I'm only like twenty percent of that show, but um, again, you know that's, uh, that's why I, that's why uh, tune in to listen to your sultry voice. I'm not on it with the fact. I'm, I'm just behind the scenes trying to make the damn software not crash. It's <laughs> uh, a full time job, apparently. It is. Uh, but yeah, World Superbikes this weekend. MotoGP's just getting crazy. Nice. Uh, I race again in June. I have to win every race. Pretty much every race. Yeah. I got have, this. Yeah, it's like 21 races. I'm trying to fatten uh, Brappy little sister up. So you, you oh, know. yeah. Been working on that. Keep bringing in donuts to the shop. Yeah. It's her weakness. It's You know, it's tough though. Because, you know, I'm rooting for you because my you're my buddy. And I have to root for her because she's my employee. Um. I mean, I literally have money on the line with her. 
<laughs> yeah, it's true, isn't it? Mm. Think about that. Changes yeah. our whole dynamic, Shaheen. <laughs> our whole dynamic. Got to buy a pizza today? You said no. I was full. I had a sandwich. I had a sandwich already. Proud of you. You're proud of you for saying no to pizza. I, I've, I've never said no to pizza. I I have I weighed myself. I have lost nine pounds. Wow. In four weeks, Since, and I lost most of that weight in the beginning of it. I've only lost like a pound in the last week. That's or impressive. So. That's just collarbone. I was doing some research. I guess I guess you burn like an extra five hundred calories a day when you're just healing? building the bone back. No kidding. And then you know. I'm sleeping a ton more and you burn more calories when you're asleep than you are awake, which is Maybe a weird that's thing. the trick to weight loss. Just break a bone every... Just break a femur. Yeah. Just You want to lose 10 pounds? Break your femur. Break your femur. You'll lose it. Fucking do it. Come yeah. on. Are you committed or not? I don't think you are. You keep talking about <laughs> this, you know, weight loss. Everybody always says, tell me how to lose weight without going to the gym. We just figured Fucking it out. Fucking break we all your ribs. the code. Yeah. Just fall down some stairs. Fall down some stairs. <laughs> 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 you'll have uh, a new view on life and you'll weigh less. Yeah. Ah, oui, oui. C'est la vie, monsieur. Oh, mon petit papillon. Bonjour. And uh, you may follow us on the at Braptok. I don't do a French accent. Oh, you don't do <laughs> Oh, really? That's your... <laughs> Our love is like a red, red rose and I am a little the, for me. <laughs> the email, this is so... How do you say? Mm. You say, oui, uh, oui, Braptok. Uh, delicious the for you to send the messages to me. Uh, reach out. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to Farsi. Yeah, it's weird. I'm going to go with Iranian accent. I took nine years of French and I can't do a French wow, accent really? to save my life. God dang it. Oh my God. What you want to do is reach out to us on <laughs> at Berap Talk on the Instagram. Hans, Hans, he's giving out the, the email information. Get Write it down on the papers this time so we can send them the hate mail. And then you will write us your love mail to vberaptalk at the gmail.com and then on the facebook it's just like a swedish like, where is this, this is iranian got, is it this iranian is farsi. it kind of sounds this is, is kind of sounds scandinavian it's got that sing-songy swedish thing going on because we are very sweet people and we talk <laughs> with this very sweet accent because we are persian like the cat meow are you persian <laughs> <laughs> on the facebook you go to berap talk motorcycle podcast and you look for Shaheen and Jensen. See, I have to assume that this is like the most authentic Iranian accent I've ever heard, but it just sounds so it is. bad. You're just, you're it just an Iranian so person. Bad to me. Don't you insult my like, accent? I know it's like it's super racist. The insult, the insult like of the accent of my people. Portland's going to ride me out on a rail. I'm oh, just sitting man. there like, I don't know what accent he's doing, but it's horrible. The one Iranian listener that we might have is going to be like, no, that's that was spot, spot on. on. That's that was spot, spot on. on, bro. Yeah, it's like, I thought my mom was calling me. That sounded like dad. I had to lock the door. <laughs> uh, you know man i'm gonna go home i got video games to play <laughs> i got a podcast wide awake it. this green shit you fed me yeah i can't believe i said yes to it text me at 2 a.m when you go to bed well you know this is what i keep saying <laughs> safety third you take me seriously <laughs> all right sir it's good to see you all right good make, to have a chat make good choices safety third and uh you know don't do ketamine and ride motorcycles <laughs> cowabunga cowabunga bro <laughs> good talk to you out there Oh, we got to work on that catchphrase. The Mountain Dew should yeah, be, that pizza. should make you, you should be fine. The Mountain Dew is, um, I just, that color really concerns me. You know what? It looks the same going in as it does going out. And that is also a reason for concern. That's just, no, that's just Zen, baby. That's just, is that what you call it, Zen? Yeah, it's Zen. It's just, it's all even. It's all it's all Zen Buddha shit. It's terrifying. Yeah. I do appreciate that you brought it to me in an ice cold glass. Oh, yeah. Come a on. Pre-frozen, cooled, chilled glass. You know, there, there aren't very many of us. Like, there aren't very many people that are really into soda. Like, like say, people are into beer and Connoisseurs wine. Connoisseurs of soda, one would say. Yeah. But I was trying to explain this to someone the other day, like, because we were at a, a really fancy restaurant, and I was like, ah, I would like a Coke. And they're like... Oh, we don't carry Coca-Cola products, but we've got a uh, a Berry's artisanal cola <laughs> that we could get you that comes in a six-ounce bottle, mm. and it's uh, $8. And I'm just like, Ooh. no, because when I say I want a Coke, I want a Coke. And I might take a Pepsi or vice versa, depending on where my brand loyalties are. But your artisanal bullshit thing, it's like, no, I don't want that. I don't want to taste like the guy who made a like, 
sugar water in his bathtub and is charging <laughs> you like $20 a gallon for this it. This sugar is actually extruded from uh, beets that I grew in yeah. my backyard. You'll notice that the soda has a certain red color to it. That's yeah. that sugar. And it's, it's the same thing when like, I can tell when you, you, when you've had a warm can of Coke and put it just in a cup full of ice, like that changes the taste really? pretty substantially. Well, you are a connoisseur. Well, but no, I'm not. I'm just saying because most people don't drink a lot of soda, so they don't notice the difference. But if I brought you a warm beer and a cold beer, depending on where you're from, too, if like you're English, <laughs> but you would that would be a very different drinking experience for you. And the right. same thing goes for for wine. And if you put it in like a, a champagne flute or or like a more open yeah. wine glass, like like a wine person is going to be like, hey, that changes the the thing for me. And it's the same thing. Like, hey, I brought you this room temperature Coke and I put it on ice. You're like, yeah, that's probably why it tastes like water and has no fizz. Is there a sommelier type person for soda? No, but there should be. And I would probably be their king. I feel like I feel like you ought to start this. It maybe in the Middle East because sodas are so popular. I just think that's your new calling. Yeah, but then I'd have to like move to Dubai or something. And I mean, what's wrong with that? It's a lot of sand. There's a lot of sand. It's just a lot of and sand. It's very hot. And you know what's good in the hot sand? You know what I don't deal well with? The heat. The sun in general? I do give the sun. <laughs> just not a heat person. But listen, in the heat, an ice cold Mountain Dew would be fucking fantastic. Yeah. And, and with that. <sighs> yes. You went full ASMR. You slurped and everything. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't deal with it. I have misophonia. Did you ever know that about me? What? Misophonia. What is that? It's the like the the ugh that you get from hearing somebody chew on their food. Yeah. Oh man. It just makes me want to yeah. go ragey. Um 